Okay, uh, I want you to imagine this morning that it is hundreds of years ago, and you live in a city where famine has hit, and you're hungry, and you haven't actually experienced fullness for a long time, and you've thought to yourself, I gotta get out of this city. If, I, if I'm gonna make it, if I'm gonna live, I, I gotta find a place where I can go and have food and feel full again. And so as you're thinking about leaving and where you're gonna go, eventually this amazing leader shows up to your town and his name is Paul. And Paul tells you about a place where you can experience fullness again. In fact, Paul gives you a map to this place where you can experience fullness. Okay, that, very similar to that, is what we're gonna see in God's holy word this morning. Our dear friend, the apostle Paul, is going to give us a pathway to experiencing spiritual fullness. And what I mean by that is a place where you can experience the fullness of God. You can experience in relationship communion with God. So. Whenever I look at a text, at a passage in the scriptures, in the scriptures, sometimes I see like a really strong a main point. Sometimes I see a list of points. Sometimes there's a, a key metaphor. When I, when I studied this week's Bible passage, what I saw in my mind was a map. Uh, in this passage, Paul, he keeps sort of building each concept upon the previous one, so it reads like a journey to be walked. And so we're gonna look at an actual map today. Uh, a big thank you to uh, Kaya Ortman uh, from our design team, also uh, my creative kids that helped me uh, really take this concept from my brain and put it into a visual map. So let's take a look at the start of our map here, okay? So our goal today is gonna be to get to Fullness Mountain, okay? In the beginning though, we're all just sitting at Beginner's Village. And we wanna find this place where you can experience more of a deep fullness of your faith. Right, a fullness of God in your relationship and in your experience with him. But if we're gonna to get to Fullness Mountain, we're gonna stop at a couple of places along the way. So let's take a look at the pathway that Paul lays out for us in the scripture. So everybody grab a Bible. There's Bibles uh, under the chair in front of you or under your chair if you're in the front row. Uh, we're gonna be on page 799. And as we get this, as you're sort of opening up the Bible, I, I think this is really important because a lot of us spiritually, I would say the vast majority of us, we're not experiencing the fullness of God like we were meant to. Spiritually, too many of us have just been living off meager rations for far too long. But God wants you to know that you can know him deeply and that you can know him more fully, okay? So let's take a look at this path. <clears throat> this is Ephesians chapter three, so find the big number three and then the small number 14. Okay, here's what Paul writes. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from who every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, or sorry, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, that's what we desire, and that's what Paul desires for us. In fact, it's so important to him that it starts verse 14. He's literally on his knees praying that Christians would get this very particular important truth. So, if you're going to do this, if you're going to set out from Beginner's Village, and you're going to say, I'm done with the meager rations. I'm done with the sort of 
surfacey Christianity, and I want a deeper faith. If you're gonna do that, okay, what is the first step? Well, the first step really comes in verse 16. So look at verse 16 again in your eyes. Paul says, I pray, I'm sorry, I lost my voice this week, and it's just coming back, so I might just hack or horse my way all the way through this. Okay, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul's saying that the very first thing that he wants for you is to have strength, is to have power for the journey. So in fact, your very first stop on the journey to Fullness Mountain is gonna be this. Let's take a look at this. I'm gonna call this stop the Strengthen Suburbs, okay? So here's the deal. God wants you to have power to keep walking with him for your entire life because there are gonna be some hard seasons in your journey with Jesus that you are gonna need the strength of God to endure. And I call this particular part of the journey the strength in suburbs because truthfully there's kind of like a everyday mundaneness to this part of the journey. It sort of reminds me of just normal suburban living. Like you kinda get up every day and you go to work and you go to your kid's 17th activity and you come home and you eat a similar meal and you clean your home again and you go to bed and you wake up the next day, right? That's kind of just life. There's a routineness to it. And in a way, there is a similar routineness to how you get strengthened with God. So if you want to be strengthened for this journey, we've got to follow the same path as we see people in scripture get strengthened. And one of the main ways they do that is to just take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. And these are simple things. These are what we call in the Christian world the spiritual disciplines. It's being committed to every day. There's a routineness to this. Every day, opening up God's word and saying, God, just teach me. I want you to grow this in me. I want you to move in me through your word. Every day, sitting at his feet and talking to him. It's every Sunday coming here to worship God, not worshiping something else on your calendar. It's coming to hear the word of God taught and to worship him, to serve other people. We, one of our core values of our church is that we put God first. It's every week prioritizing being in Christian community where your brothers and sisters in Christ in house group are challenging you and they're keeping you accountable. Okay, but let me say something. All of those things that I just mentioned, I'm gonna be honest with you, none of them are really all that flashy or fancy or even all that exciting at times. There's a mundaneness to it, right? They're kind of ordinary. I think of like suburban living. This isn't like you have an 80-acre farm in western Minnesota and you, or you're, you're like a cool urban hipster. Like there's just a, a routineness. I'm sorry if you're a cool urban hipster. hipster. I didn't mean to offend you. But that's, that's kind of what this everyday charge is because as humans, you're kind of like an electric vehicle that just needs to be plugged in and charged every night, Right? But for a lot of us, we don't want that. We just want to just keep running around. Or we think other things are going to charge us, right? Some of you have just been exhausted lately, and every night you decide what will charge you is sitting in front of the TV or just staring and scrolling through your phone. But it won't work. The only way that you're going to have the strength, the power to go deeper in your faith, to get to fullness mountain, is if you stop and you stay at strengthen suburbs. You can't just jump to this deeper experience with Jesus Christ by never actually daily meeting with God or only going to church when you've got nothing else on your calendar. The journey starts with these sort of daily and weekly charges. So let me just ask you a question. What is it 
that you need to do starting tonight or maybe tomorrow morning? What is a routine that you need to add back into your life or add into your life for the first time so that you can have this daily strengthening that the Bible talks about? Now, before we get to the next spot, I want to point something out about how this map works. So <coughs> the map that we're building is not a truly uh, linear, meaning that we're not going to go to the next stage and then leave the previous stage behind never to visit it again. It's, it's rather a cumulative journey. You're going to keep adding in each step on top of the others. Okay, that being said, let's look for the next step, and we're going to see that in verse 17 now. Okay, so Paul... He wants you to be strengthened, and then he says, so that, okay, so we're building here, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, I'm actually going to stop at mid-sentence there, because what Paul is talking about in verse 17 will happen as a result of you working through strengthened suburbs. It will happen as a result of you spending daily time with Jesus. And Paul gives us three things, three metaphors, three words, really, that will result. And they're all kind of the same thing. He says that Christ will dwell in your hearts, that you can be rooted in him, and that you can be established in love. Now, as we talk through those three things that are all basically the same, let's take a look at our next stop on the journey to Fullness Mountain. So here's stop number three. We're gonna call it the rooted cabin. Now, the rooted cabin is the part of your Christian walk where after you've let God do some daily strengthening, you've got to let Jesus start to do some deeper work in your life. Now let me explain what that means by walking through those three words that Paul uses. So the first one was dwell, which means to live in. Now Paul's writing in Greek, and in the ancient Greek, there are really two different words that were used for to dwell, to live in. And the first meant that you lived in a place, but kind of as a stranger. It would be like if you said, oh yeah, we had to live in an Airbnb for two weeks, right? But the second Greek word for dwell, to live in, is the idea that you're going to settle down in a place and make it your permanent home. Okay, that's the word that Paul uses here for Christ dwelling in your hearts. Jesus doesn't want to just visit your heart on Sunday mornings. He wants to move in and make every single room of your heart and your life his home. He wants to dwell in you. He wants his roots to go deep into you. You know, I call this stage the rooted cabin because I think this is a stage where you just have to do this deeper rooted work with Christ. I know in my life I've had seasons where I've had to get away even to like a literal cabin. I mean, there's places like this you can go, like Wilderness Fellowship in Wisconsin is a great example. They have prayer cabins you can rent and go to. I've had to get away and just say, Lord, what's going on right now? Like, why, why am I in this dry season right now? Like, why am I just getting so angry at everybody? Right? Like, why are my standards too high? Lord, where are the places that I'm sort of walling you off and not letting you go? Right? I'm doing the deeper work with God. Now, you don't have to go to a literal cabin to do this, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you some other ways you could do this. You could get together with, say, your best Christian friend and say, hey, let's get together for the next eight weeks. Uh, let's go out every Tuesday morning for coffee. And let's just ask each other the hardest questions that we can think of. Like, where is it in your life, which compartments of your life have you not allowed Jesus to touch? Like, what, what is God calling you to right now, but you just refuse to obey him on? 
So it could look like that. It could look like you getting into therapy, getting into Christian counseling, and walking through with a counselor to do some of the deeper work here. It can look like a lot of different things, but if you're gonna mature and go deeper in your walk with Christ so that you can experience more of the fullness of God in your life, then you're gonna need to let Christ dwell in more places, you're gonna have to grow deeper roots, and you're gonna then need to be more established in Christ, that's that third word, and it basically just means you need a deeper foundation with Christ. I I think of it this way, I've had the great privilege to have a kind of a front row seat to a lot of construction over the last two or three years, and one of the most interesting things that I ever saw in the construction process, I think happened really in the first couple weeks of our construction project on the very first phase of this building. In fact, it was when they were getting ready to lay the foundation, and I wanna show you, we had an update video that we made back in the day, which I mean like two years ago. Uh, <laughs> let me show you what it looks like, because I wanna show you the picture of this. Let's take a look at this video. Renovation Church, hey there, we are on week two of our construction project for our church building. Uh, this is actually kind of cool. I'm going to flip this around here so you can kind of see what we're looking at. I am standing uh, down at this point, uh, a few feet down in a trench. Essentially, this is where they are going to pour the footing uh, for our our walls of our building. They're going to be pouring it uh, probably tomorrow uh, into uh, Thursday and Friday in this week. And then you're going to begin to see the concrete come in and the rebar coming up as they're getting our walls ready. So lots of cool stuff kind of going on here at the construction site. Uh, I keep praying that God is continuing to move uh, and that this all goes smoothly. Um, by the way, there's a deleted scene of that video of failed take where I actually fell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to find that somewhere. Um, okay, where I was walking in that trench was right here. It was right along this wall right here. Now, this is really cool. When, when you build, especially a big building with tall walls, you have to build a deep foundation because the higher a building, the deeper and stronger the foundation has to be. And the same is true with your spiritual life. If you want to reach these high highs with Jesus Christ, you've got to dig a deep foundation. You've got to let Jesus Christ dig deeper into all of the parts of your life. And so stops at the rooted cabin are gonna be key here. Okay, where do you go next? Verse 18, Paul is praying that, we're building here again, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know, that this, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And so if we're gonna get closer to experiencing this wonderful communion, this fullness of God in our relationship with him, the journey is absolutely gonna take us through this next spot on the map. And it is what I'm gonna call the city of heavenly love. So Paul is showing us here that God's love is so amazing. It is so rich. But he says it's something to be experienced, not just known. That was verse 19, you see where he says that? It is the love that surpasses knowledge. Okay, Paul can't just tell you about God's love. That's why he's on his knees. He's praying that you could actually know it and experience it. The the brilliant theologian and pastor Jonathan Edwards hundreds of years ago explained this very point by famously saying this. He said, listen, there are two ways that a person can know that honey is sweet. Number one, you can know that honey is sweet actually without ever tasting it, right? You could read it in a book, 
right? Or you, a friend could tell you. And you could even factually and truthfully answer someone, yes, honey is sweet. Or, he says, the second way is you could actually just get a jar of honey and taste it and know that it is sweet. And he says, now, if you did that second thing and you already knew the first thing, what would happen is you would taste honey and you would say, now, I mean, I knew it was sweet, but I didn't actually know, know that it was sweet. And I think for many people, there's a strong parallel here for how we talk about the love of God. Right? They know that God loves them. Oh yes, God loves us. But they don't really know, know, they haven't tasted that God loves them. And I think even many of us as followers of Christ, we haven't actually walked the streets of heavenly love all that often. You know, maybe you had a moment, maybe it was when you stood up and you accepted Christ for the first time, and maybe it was a moment at youth camp years ago, or maybe it was that moment in the lowest of your low when you were at the hospital, and you felt like God just came and wrapped his arms around you. But the city of heavenly love, now remember, I'm not talking about knowledge here. The city of heavenly love is a place that I think a lot of us as Christians haven't visited all that often. Yeah, we can say God loves me, but it's not moving us. But it doesn't move a lot of us more than if I were to say, hey, did you know the Vikings have actually won four in a row? Right, oh, what, see? That's what, it's even that sometimes moves us more. And that's why Paul is on his knees and he's just praying, God, show that. I just want, I just want them to grasp, to get a hold of how wide, how high, how long, how deep your love is for them. Because it is that amazing, okay? The love of God for you is infinitely wide. You can think of it this way. <clears throat> if you, let's just say, for every sin that you've ever committed, for each sin, each thought, each act, it was written on a piece of paper. How many miles wide would those papers be if you taped them all together? What the Bible is saying is that the love of Jesus for you is so wide that he can cover all that up in his river of grace. That is the width of the love of God. But God's love is not just wide, we're told that it is long. And that means that God, <clears throat> excuse me, has loved you for longer than you could ever imagine. That's amazing. I think it's amazing that he even thinks of us in the first place. Like think of it this way, okay, what if, uh, what if a famous person was thinking about you? Or thinking about me. Somebody, th give me a name of a famous person. George Clooney. George Clooney? <laughs> I love that was on your mind. Okay, let's say I found out that George Clooney was thinking about me and he mentioned me. I would, I, that would be kind of amazing. Right? I'd be like, George Clooney mentioned me, right? But here's the thing. The Bible tells you that the God of heaven not only thinks of you, but he loves you, and he has loved you since before you were born. And that he will love you for millions of years to come. Millions. Have you been here, my friend? Like, have you been to this part of the spiritual journey? And like, deeply walked and meditated on God's love for you? 
Because his love is also infinitely high, Paul says. That means his love can take seemingly no-name people like me and like you and elevate us up high to become sons and daughters of the king, co-heirs with Christ, people that will one day walk on the streets of gold in the new Jerusalem, all because of his love. But his love is not just wide, it's not just long, it's not just high. We also read that it is deep. It is so deep that there is not a person on earth right now that has sinned so greatly that God's love couldn't pull them out of the depths of their sin and forgive them. No abuser, no murderer, no adulterer, no one that God's love isn't available to, to forgive them. And his love, I think it's deeper than any of us can even fathom. Let me show you a really helpful verse on this that I hope bends your view of how deep God's love is. John 15, nine, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Think deeply about this verse. How much does God the Father love Jesus the Son? It's a lot, right? Jesus is saying that amount, that's how much he loves you. Have you sat with that? Like, have you walked on those streets in the city of heavenly love? Because that, we're told by Paul, is actually the catalyst that will propel us towards that final goal. Okay, this is the middle of verse 19 now. So Paul says that, okay, that's the progression again. It keeps building. He says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so the goal here is the fullness of God. This is what we're gonna call fullness mountain, right? Now, I believe that fullness as a goal isn't actually that intuitive to American Christians. I actually think that most of us, if you just asked us, would say that the goal, the end goal of the Christian life is the city of heavenly love. But let me just say something to you. The pinnacle of your Christian walk isn't that you feel loved. But that's often what we think in our sort of self-focused American culture. No, the end goal, the destination is this deep relationship with God and that he is glorified by that. As John Piper famously said, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that happens when we're full of him because there is a deeper experience of God that is to be had. And it doesn't mean that we're always in that phase, right? But that you can experience it where you feel like God is always with you, where you feel like when your heart is heavy that God is the first person you go to. When you feel like you wanna celebrate about something, that God is the first person that you give glory to, that God is the person that you're always going to all day long for direction and that he's as real to you as your best friend is. In fact, you'd call him your best friend. It's the fullness of God. But if you wanna have that sort of relationship with God, You've got to follow the directions from Ephesians chapter three. And remember, you don't leave each stage behind, okay? They build upon one each other, on each other. And sometimes you gotta sort of walk backwards even. Like, you may have these moments, and we're grateful for the moments where we're just sort of mountaintop moments in our faith, but maybe you get into a dry season. And you gotta kinda audit that and go, what's happening right now? Maybe. Maybe I need to refocus back in the strengthened suburbs. Maybe I need to go back and say, what, are my spiritual disciplines even working anymore? 
I find the longer I walk with Christ, the more you sort of have to retool those sort of things. And just say, you know, I know I've been always reading the Bible this way, but I just got to get a different Bible. Last year I bought a chronological Bible off of Amazon for like nine bucks. And it's been great to just read through it differently, right? Or sometimes you gotta say, I gotta just start journaling or I gotta add in silence or you're just retooling what's happening in the suburbs. Sometimes you just get in those phases where you go, you know what, it's just kind of been surfacy for a long time. I gotta get out to the cabin. I gotta do some deep work again if I'm gonna really get closer in my walk with Jesus Christ. And what I find so beautiful about God and so compelling about this particular journey is that even if you reach Fullness Mountain, right, even if you have those sort of mountaintop moments with God, what we experience here on this earth is only really scratching the surface of what we will one day experience. It's kind of like our experience would be like taking an old like, glass bottle out to the sea. I say you dipped it in the ocean, you filled it all the way with seawater, and then you put a cork on it, and you took that bottle, and you threw it out on top of the ocean. You could look at it, and you say, look, there it is. The bottle is full of the sea. And it's like, yes, but at the same time, it hasn't even begun to experience all that is of the sea. And see, God's word promises you, believer, that yes, you can experience him now, but for the next millions and millions and endless years of all of eternity, you're only gonna get to experience more and more and more and more. There's an ocean full of God's goodness, glory, and love that you will get to experience. That's amazing. But the good news is you can start to know it and experience it now. All you need to do this week is just take another step. Whatever that is for you, all right? All right, let me pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word in Ephesians 3. We thank you for these directions. I pray over every person in this room, Holy Spirit, that you would lead them specifically so that they would know where to go this week, what to do so they could walk in a way in which they could know you more deeply. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we come and we just worship you now. In your name we pray, amen.